Welcome to ESOP, a place for you to share your story. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. Enjoy the show. I'm Roger Molson, and this is my story. All right, I'm super happy to be sitting here with someone I know very well, who I've known for all 49 years of my life, my dad, Roger Molson. Dad, thanks for sharing your stories with us today. Nicole, thanks for having me. This is an opportunity to share stories, not just for you and your sister and not just for your grandchildren, but for great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren and those to come later. Yeah, and you have a lot of stories, which is why we decided it would be really fun to get you on the show and share some of them and also let people know the kinds of formats that they can use for this awesome new business. Yeah. This, well, it occurred to me the other day that that uh, I really don't know a whole lot about my mom and dad's childhood, and they're gone. So I'm never going to find out from them. But if they'd had this opportunity to enumerate some of their experiences, desires, likes, I would have been much better off for it. Well, let's dig into yours. Okay. So today, I know that there's a lot of things, a lot of directions we can go with this, but I think there's one overriding theme that was sort of a value that I know you instilled in me and Michelle growing up that I think would be really cool for us to flesh out today. Okay. Do you know what it is? I'm going to guess it's experiences <laughs> versus materialistic things. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. You are correct. Right. Um, one of my values that I actually take forward because of you, but I really want to understand how and why, you know, this sort of philosophy in life was created in you. Did it start when you were a little boy? It probably did. And, and in all honesty, it, it might have, it, it might be a function of the fact that my parents didn't have a lot of money and they had lots of kids, like five boys eventually. And so experiences versus materialistic things, we weren't, we were never in want of anything. It's not that we didn't have food to eat and clothes to wear, um, but we didn't have a lot of extra money. So uh, experiences were, were important and, and probably would have been even if we'd had money, but that's kind of the way it was. So... Tell me some examples of your earliest experiences. Well, my earliest experiences were in terms of experience versus materialistic things probably occurred in grade school when friends would go on vacation with their, their parents. And for some reason, parents seemed to like me. So if they were able to invite a friend, I was always the one that got invited. So. Well, wait, why do you think you were so liked by the parents? <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. I have, I have no idea, idea but in, in grade school, in second, third, fourth grade, you're pretty innocent. So, you know, and, and I didn't cause a lot of trouble. Maybe you were just available. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> I, I was definitely available, but, but then a lot of kids were available, so. Well, that's true. So do you remember some of these trips from when you were really little? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 from Chicago, we grew up, the kids, our family 
grew up in Chicago area suburbs, western suburbs. And uh, the, probably the first trip I took was down to Alabama, which was a really huge trip from Chicago when you're that when you're in second or third or fourth grade. Um, and, and it was with a good friend at that time. Uh, I still I'm still in touch with them occasionally. Uh, but it was it was an incredible experience to see the the Spanish moss hanging from the trees in the south. Uh, you just don't have that in Chicago. So even as a little kid, you recognized that you know experience. You recognized the Spanish moss stood out to you. Uh, well, I didn't even know it was Spanish moss at the time. It just looked weird. They had a, all these big stately trees was a lot of moss hanging on them, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it sticks in your mind. I mean, things that you don't even know that are experiences are are really experiences, and they're deeply embedded. Because you know it's seventy years later now that, and I, I still remember that. Well, yeah. And were there other trips you went on? Yeah, we um, I went to a a a Lake Michigan summer home with a friend, along with my brother, because my friend had a brother his age, so. Uh, that was that was memorable, and the, and the memory is is kind of weird. It's we were out to eat, and I was kind of the big brother here, and and my, my younger brother ordered a lime malt, which I knew he wasn't going to like, so I told him not to do it, and he did it anyway, and then he threw up. So it, it's it, you know the experiences or the, the things that, that that stick in your mind are are really kind of uh, unique. So, yeah, I remember a lot about the trips, but but certain things stick out. For sure. And so as you got older, did these different experiences evolve? Um, yeah, they absolutely did. But but another important one when I was young was, was going to pick cherries up in Traverse City, Michigan, with a friend whose grandmother had a cherry farm up there. And what I remember there is that I learned all my swear words and dirty jokes from the migrant workers, which came up from Mexico, basically. And uh, secondly, uh, we, we had a chicken dinner one night, but we had the chicken dinner after we took it out and chopped its head off and it ran around. It was uh, it was fairly graphic. <laughs> you know, what's so cool is you probably could have had a new pair of jeans or, I don't know, a game or something, but you wouldn't remember that pair of jeans or the game like you remember these things. Right, exactly. Wow, okay. So then I got to high school, and in high school we could drive, so we would we started taking uh, weekend summer trips up to Michigan, up to Wisconsin with friends. Uh, the one thing I remember specifically on a trip to Wisconsin was, it, and, and what we would do, we didn't have any money, so we would we'd take sleeping bags or blankets and we'd sleep out wherever we were at night and it started to rain. So we went to the police station and asked if we could sleep in the police station and they said, no, we can't let you do that. But the, the fairgrounds got covered buildings or they have no sides, but at least they're covered and you can break in there and you can sleep there for the night. So Wait, that's a, the cops told you? Yeah. To break and what is it called? Breaking and entering. Well, it was <laughs> it was a fairground, so it, I'm not sure about entering so much as breaking <laughs> breaking into the fairgrounds. Oh my gosh! And I love that you went to the cops. 
yeah, well, we were we were innocent, you know. wasn't We weren't trying to cause trouble. We were just trying to find a place to not get wet and sleep. So, was this when you were old enough to drive? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We drove up by ourselves. Another trip, as I as I mentioned before, my parents um, provided very nicely for us, but they didn't have any extra money. So, I had a friend in high school who whose parents flew me down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, when we were juniors uh, to spend a week or two on spring break. And and that was memorable because my friend took the, his uncle's car and we ran into a tree. Not, I mean, not, not serious running into it, but enough to, you know, dent the car and scratch it, so... And he and he, of course, still remembers it to this day. Oh my gosh! So and, what, and, and we yeah. still see them to what, this day. What happened to the car? Nothing. I'm sure it got fixed. We, we we returned it and probably made up a story, but I'm not sure. <laughs> That's where I got it from, yeah. Dad. <laughs> um, I know in college I've heard about these like rumored road trips with your college buddies. You know, I, I was a poor, struggling student, so th- there weren't too many college trips. The only, the only real college trip was a trip down to Duke from New Haven, Connecticut, down to, I guess, Raleigh, North Carolina, um, and and what was really memorable there is is on our way there we we saw the aftermath shortly after a head-on collision, and there was a family s- scattered all over. We. We drove about 20 miles an hour the rest of the way. Oh, my gosh. You mean scattered all over, like? On the side of the road, yeah. Oh, like dead? Uh, yeah, well, they had sheets over them, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, I don't remember this story. No, it's not good. It's not, not one I tell often. Yeah, but this is real-life stuff. I mean, right. um, what about when you and Chuck Leonard and one other guy got paid to go on a road trip? <laughs> Well, that that was not. I was we were that was summer break, and on the summer break, I would work all all construction all summer basically, and then at at the end of the summer, I'd take a week or two, and with uh, one or two other friends, uh, we would throw sleeping bags in the trunks, and we would take off. And, and one year we drove all the way to San Francisco, and one one way, one year we drove all the way to Mexico City, and and then took a short flight down to. Uh, um, Acapulco. Uh, we took maybe four or five of these trips, but the, but the one you're alluding to, we had been working for instead of construction, and I was at, at, at Yale at this point. We got jobs through our friend's dad at a uh, Illinois Institute of Technology, and when we finished with the summer. We said we're we're quitting now. We're going to take our trip, and they said, "Well, do you want to continue to work for us?" and you can go out west and interview people in, I think it was San Francisco, um, Southern California, maybe Lake Tahoe, and Albuquerque, something like that. And our job was to interview construction firms and see how many homes they're going to build. So the government, this was a government project to determine how many trees to build. So two of us went, Mike Davis and I had been working for him, and and our friend Chuck Leonard decided he was going to come with us. So the three of us took off, and wh- wherever we were at night, we would uh, that's where we'd throw our sleeping bags. 
one night we were we were driving and we were getting ready to stop, and all of a sudden a, a rattlesnake slithered across the road, and we drove another fifty miles. <laughs> So funny. Well, one morning we woke up and there were cows standing over us. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! And you counted trees. Trees. Yeah. Well, we asked. We didn't count trees. We asked the, how many how many houses they were going to build, and they could determine how many trees they were going to have to cut down and use to build the houses. You know, this seems like. Uh, you've become, <laughs> you've figured out a way to include these cool trips and experiences in your life in a um, financially <laughs> responsible way, right? You got someone to pay for it. We did, uh, at least on that one, this one trip. Other than that, we worked all summer. We worked really hard, or I worked really hard in construction. Yeah, I know. I know you did. Um, as we, you know, when you became a family man, how did this value or philosophy evolve? It was fairly simple, you know, and, and, and the kids didn't have a whole lot of say because they were too young. But but we had a choice, basically, between buying a, a summer home or not buying a summer home. And every every summer, while they were on summer break, we would take a trip somewhere, for usually for two weeks, at least a week, and so we took both you and your and your sister all over the country, basically. Some of the places included um, the Wisconsin Dells, the Badlands in North Dakota, uh, San Diego via Las Vegas, uh, the down in uh, Missouri, the um, Ozarks. Ozarks, correct. Um, I s- distinctly remember driving in the blue suburban. Oh yeah, with the three-speed blue suburban that I learned stick how to shift, drive stick, in. stick shift, not yes. three-speed stick shift. So. It was, it was a stick shift with only three gears. Yeah, first, second, and third. Well, I had a reverse, of course. <laughs> um, but we drove that thing for four days to Arizona, Grand Canyon. Yep, right. And then, and then I flew back because I had to go to work, and you and your mom drove back. I'm not. You might have had some trouble on the way back. I'm not sure. We might have. You know. You also took us to Cancun. We took you to Cancun. We took you on to Lake Powell. We rented a houseboat on, on Lake Powell, a trailer to speedboat. Uh, we did a lot of really cool things. Hawaii. And, and, and I don't think a lot of people get that opportunity. They don't. They don't. And you gave that opportunity to us. And at the time, we probably didn't realize that, you know... It, this was more valuable than the fancy house or the fancy car would ever be. Well, we never had the fancy house or the fancy car, but we had, you know, we had nice house and a nice car. We didn't, and we had plenty of food and it was and, and clothes, but that wasn't, that wasn't the focus. That was not my focus anyway. So, and how, how the, how you, how the, Everybody grew up and, and and live now. I probably reflects that somehow, but but that's that's more me. Well, you know, I would say that this is especially relevant in the way that our world is changing, and people are, you know, technology is changing everything. Yes, it is. People are spending more time 
staring at a screen than they are out doing things. And I know we've talked a lot about trips, but to be honest, experiences is so much more than just trips. It is. And, and, and when I was growing up, there were no screens to look at. I mean, there weren't even TVs, but I didn't see a TV till I was in first grade. Um, so you, you, you had, you had to live with your experiences. You did. And you know, I, things that you gave to me that I can't even do today, I have fond memories of. For instance, um, we went and bet on horses and even greyhounds. I don't, they don't even have those tracks anymore, at least the, the greyhounds. No, those are gone. Those are gone. But I remember learning how to bet on a horse. Yeah, so, so does your sister, Michelle. She was so sure that this horse was going to win that she was down to her last $2. I think we'd given them like $6 a piece. And she put her $2 on the this horse, and she was convinced that it was going to win, and it didn't. And I don't think she's bet since. <laughs> but it's not just, you know, it's it's everything. You really taught us to open our eyes and not just be so focused on what's right in front of us sitting there at the material things. You taught us how to approach the world in a bigger way, Dad. Well, if, if I accomplished that, then, then that was a good thing. You know, I know that you've continued with Mom as you guys have gone into your retirement years and your more golden-type years to uh, continue to embody this value of experiences in life. Um, how has it changed as you've gotten older? Well, we saved all the cruising for when we were really old and, and we couldn't physically do a lot of things. So I, I was fortunate enough to be able to retire at a, at a relatively young age. And and so from, say, early 50s uh, until recently, uh, we we could still do a lot of things, so we've been we've been everywhere. We've been uh, uh, over to Australia, New Zealand. We've been to China via Korea. We've we've been on the Amazon up to Machu Picchu. We've been all over Europe. Um, I was able to go golfing one year in in Ireland, the other another the next year in Scotland with friends from the where we lived at the time. We had moved down out of Chicago because it was too confining weather-wise. And, and we weren't, I wasn't working, I, I wasn't employed anyway. So uh, we moved down to Savannah, Georgia and uh, lived there for 20 years. I played a lot of golf and we did a lot of traveling and did a little fishing. Fishing is another thing. I mean, there's a whole bunch of experiences that maybe is a whole nother episode here, but... Uh, yeah, fishing, I've, I've been going up to northern Minnesota, first with a friend that I worked with at the bank, and, and then for the last 20 years, that was for 20 years, and then for another 20 years with my four younger brothers and uh, fishing for walleyes and golfing during the middle of the day and enjoying evening cocktails and, and occasionally cigars. Well, Dad, we are going to have to do episode number two and talk about the big fish, the yeah. ones that got away, all the tall tales from those trips. Um, I just want you to know that what you, what was important to you that you really instilled in me is carrying on. So thank you for that. Well, good. Do you have any final sort of wrap up thoughts on 
you know, the message behind the experiences versus materialism? Well, it's more, more about living life to its fullest. Uh, and, you know, clothes are nice and cars are nice and fancy homes are nice, but uh, that isn't really living life to its fullest from my perspective. So other people might have other experiences like concerts. We've not been to a lot of concerts, but, um, you know, everybody should find their own experiences and, and, and enjoy them and live them. And, and you can still pass that stuff along, uh, not quite as easily as materialistic things because a lot of that remains in your mind, but, but it's still important. And, and that's, as I said at the beginning here, one of the reasons I want to record this, I, I don't know much about my mom and dad's childhood. And I think my children already know and grandchildren to a more limited extent, but the grandchildren and great grandchildren are never going to have any idea unless I tell them. Nailed it, Dad. Love you. Yep, love you too. 